more than others. Days that that have a, a significance uh, in your life that, that kind of pop up. And sometimes you have those days that you remember because they have certain elements to them. Maybe they, they have these three elements. They're exciting and they're life-changing, but at the same time, they're full of terror. They're scary. At the, the the same time, let me let me give you a couple examples of that, and then we'll we'll lead on into scripture with it. Uh, when I was 16 years old, May 16th, uh, when I turned 16, I went to get my driver's license. So everyone can probably that's got their license can can understand this and and relate to this. I, I remember showing up to get that. it. It was exciting. Uh, I'm going to get my driver's license. It was life changing. Now I wouldn't have to walk to school. The three blocks that my high school is away from my house, I could drive to school. So instead of taking two minutes, I could get there in 20 seconds. That was going to be life changing. That meant about a minute and a half extra sleep every single day. I was excited. It was, it was exciting. It was life changing, but I was terrified. Don't we all, when you get your driver's test, you get, get, get scared to death. Now, now I had more than one reason to do that. Maybe a, a reason most of you didn't have. I had a twin sister that was there to get her license that same day. And what if she passed and I failed? Man, you talk about pressure. I was terrified. I'd been driving since I was eight years old on the farm. And I, I mean, I, I knew how to drive. But when someone sits down next to you and they have a clipboard in their hand and a pen in their hand ready to start marking things off, man, I was terrified. It was exciting. It was life-changing. And yet at the same time, terrifying. I remember... I remember my sophomore year in college. Uh, I can remember the day, it was in January, uh, about a week after second semester started, maybe maybe 10 days after second semester started. And, and I remember that I had made the decision, actually made it over Christmas break, but I'd finally got the nerve up that, 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 that day to ask Rita out on a date. Oh, yeah. That was, that was exciting. And that was life-changing. That man, it was terrifying. Because now, believe this or not, I had, I had basically decided before I'd ever ask her out on a date. I decided I was going to marry her. Uh, I, I, lucky her. I picked her, and uh, she. Oh well, she is lucky. And today happens to be her birthday, so uh, be sure to wish her a happy birthday and say, "Man, you're lucky. Tim picked you." Or. Or offer her condolences, whichever one you see thinks fits the, 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 the bill. But, but I decided, now, now the, the, the truth is, my whole freshman year, I didn't go on a single date. Now, I know you find that very surprising. It's not because I didn't have a chance. I could have dated Debbie Bausch. <laughs> Inside joke. Uh, but, but I had, I had chosen not to date and, and I decided over Christmas break, I'm going to start dating my wife. Always thought it was a pretty good idea to date your wife before you marry her. Exciting, life changing, but terrifying. So I called her up, or I don't know if I, I don't remember now if I called her or caught her in the hallway or what. And she said yes. And then three days later, she called and canceled. <laughs> she said something about having strep throat, but I, my world was crushed. But a couple days later, she called and said, asked me to take her to church, and I knew she, I knew I had her. I knew she was hooked. Exciting, it was life changing, but terrifying. And I think I'll say on the Rita theme here for just a second on our wedding day. Isn't that an exciting day, a life changing day? But isn't that terrifying? I remember standing 
at the front of Countryside Christian Church in the, right outside Topeka, Kansas, K4. If you go to Topeka, you go right by Rita's home church. I remember standing up on the stage and looking back and the doors open and here comes Rita and her dad down the aisle. She's, she's looking beautiful, her white dress. And I noticed two things. First of all, I noticed her dad's crying. I was scared of her dad. And if he's crying, I'm not sure, I wasn't sure how to interpret that. And then I noticed Rita and she's crying. And I got terrified again. I mean, does this mean she's like, I don't want to do this, Dad. And he's crying like, no, I want to get rid of you. But I knew that wasn't the case. I knew it was, was he didn't want to give her away. That's why he was crying. And, and oh, it was, it was exciting. It was life changing, but at the same time, uh, terrifying. We, we could, we could go on and on. The birth of your first child and second child and third child, child like the Johnsons and, and, uh, uh, Fifth one coming soon. No, no, coming. okay, no. You didn't hear it here first. So, uh, thank you, by the way, for filling in. Uh, and, and, and you thought you were getting by with no prayer request, didn't you? <laughs> then for a second, and then we loaded you down. So, uh, but, but you get the point. There's certain days that are memorable because they're, they're exciting, they're life changing, but they're terrifying. And I, I, I think as we look at scripture this morning and we look at, uh, we look at Joshua. I think the day that's talked about in Joshua chapter one had to be one of those, one of those days, one of those memorable moments that he would never forget because it was exciting. Wow. Unbelievable. Exciting. Life changing. Everything changed that day. And at the same time, and we know this from scripture, we'll see it as we get a little further in the scripture that it was, uh, it was terrifying at the same time. Time we we face a lot in life. Um, there there are going to be days that are exciting and life changing, terrifying, and and in some ways isn't life just like that. Period. That we have those days. If you have your Bibles, turn with me. Turn with me to uh, uh, to Joshua chapter one. I, I've actually preached on Joshua here back about over two years ago. Uh, preached on this section, but there's about four or five good sermons out of this same text and. And so today's going to be a little bit different take on this text. So if you have your Bibles open, Joshua chapter 1, uh, we'll, we'll look at, uh, start with verse 5. In fact, I'm just going to read verses 5 and 6 right now. We'll, we'll move on and read other verses as we go. No one will be able to stand up against you all the days of your life. As I was with Moses, so I'll be with you. Let me give you just a little bit quick background before I leave that last, last phrase. Uh, Moses had led the Israelites right up to the Jordan River, right up preparing to go into the promised land, but because of a, a sin in Moses' life, God had had restricted him from being the one that got to lead them into the promised land. And, and Moses had died. If you read back in the last couple chapters of Deuteronomy, we see that happening. So Moses has gone on to be with the Lord, and now God has appointed Joshua as the next leader. He's going to take Moses' place. And, and so that's where we find him, God making this promise to him. He says, so, so I'll be with you. I will never leave you nor forsake you. Be strong and courageous because you will lead these people to inherit the land I swore to their fair, their forefathers to give them. We're going to look this morning that, uh, at this text and God gives, God gives Joshua three commands. And I would suggest no matter what you face in life, no, no matter what you're up against where you have to be strong, where, where you have to make a difference, whether it's one of those moments that exciting and life changing, and yet terrifying, or if it's just life that happens to you. Let me point you back to these three commands that he gives. 
And every one of these commands is prefaced with a, a phrase or a statement. You'll, you'll see it three times in this text. And actually, we'll, we'll look at a, a verse in Deuteronomy. We, we see it kind of referenced there as well. But, but all three of these commands are prefaced with this statement, be strong and courageous. So as God begins to speak to Joshua at this life-changing, exciting, terrifying moment, he says to him, be strong and courageous. Can I, can I just so, so, so we're on the same page here. Can I get you to repeat that phrase with me? Uh, I'm going to say be and then you say strong and courageous. Will you? Be. Boy, I really thought I'd have to do, have you do it a second time. You guys did really well on that. Strong and courageous. So, so I'm going to, I'm actually going to ask you to, after each one of these comments, make that statement again. So, so, so when God calls us to serve Him, church, be. Thank you on that last one. When, <laughs> When, when God gives you an opportunity to make a difference, be. When God opens the door to share your faith, be. When you're confronted with making a godly decision, be. When you're facing temptation, be. Okay, when life doesn't make sense and life gets hard, be. When you're walking in the shadow of the valley of death, be. And when God calls you to build a wall, cross a river, or lead a battle, be. Okay, we got a little weak there towards the end. Come on, let's be strong and courageous. His first command is a simple one. Really what he says is to Joshua, believe. He says, uh, believe. He says, be strong and courageous because you will lead these people to inherit the land. Don't miss don't miss the, the, the point there. He, he's talking to Joshua, and, and he's pointing a finger at him, tapping him on the shoulder, wrapping his arms around him, you know, calling him out, and he's saying to Joshua, you will lead the people. Now, we're going we're, we're gonna to go a little deeper into that here in a second, and we're going to wrap some other thoughts around that, but, but I think he's telling him to believe in himself. So, so we're challenged to believe, or let me challenge you to believe in yourself. Now, in the church, rightly so. Now, bear with me because this may be rubbing some of you the wrong way. In the church, we talk a lot about humility, about denying ourselves, about emptying ourselves, about sacrificing, about prostrating ourselves, about giving ourselves, that recognizing God is in control and not us. And, and that's rightly so. In fact, one of the biggest problems we have is giving up ourselves and letting God rule, letting God have, have ownership of our lives. So, so I understand that, but, but please see here, that, that Joshua is challenged to believe in himself. Because God calls him, be strong and courageous. You, Joshua, you're gonna lead my people. Now, now catch this also though, uh, it's kind of what he's saying, and it really kind of wraps around is believe in yourself because I can use you. So it's just not all about pat yourself on the back. Believe in yourself because I can use you. It's not about pointing to your chest or pulling out your shirt and say, look what I've done. It's about believing that God can use us. Joshua, believe in yourself because I am going to use you. If you have your Bibles, stay, stay there in, uh, uh, in uh, Joshua chapter 1, but flip over back a, a, few, a few books to Exodus chapter 3. Exodus chapter 3. And, and what we see there is God's conversation with Moses, who was the leader before Joshua. And God called Moses to start this journey. In fact, Moses' job 
ultimately, originally had been to lead in the promised land. Again, he, he messed up, but, but this is what God said in chapter 3, verse 7. The Lord said, I have indeed, have indeed seen the misery of my people in Egypt, and I have heard them crying out because of their slave drivers, and I am concerned about their suffering. So I've come down to rescue them from the land of the Egyptians and to bring them up out of the land into a good and spacious land, a land flowing with milk and honey, the home of the Canaanites, the Hittites, the Amorites, the Perizzites, the Hivites, the Jebusites, and all kinds of otherites. And now the cry of the Israelites has reached me, and I've seen the way the Egyptians are oppressing them. So now go. Now catch what he says. I am sending you. I'm sending you to Pharaoh to bring my people, the Israelites, out of Egypt. But Moses said to God, who am I that I should go to Pharaoh and bring the Israelites out of Egypt? See, Moses had a, a little bit of a struggle there, and, and, and he had a hard time believing that God could use him. God will never use us until we understand this idea that we have to believe that he can use us. See, oftentimes we compare ourselves to others and, and we say, well, I, I, can't, uh, I can't talk as well as that person. That's what Moses did. I, I can't sing as good as that, that lady or I can't, I can't have the faith that that person's have or, or, or he's much more biblically uh, literate than I am or she, she has such a better personality and just a flowing personality. I don't have that. Boy, they are more blessed than I am. The, the reality is, God saw Joshua as he had Moses before him and said, you, I'm going to use you. And, and do you realize that God calls us? We've been talking about that a lot here recently from Nehemiah, but God, God is going to call us to exciting and life-changing events that are terrifying, but he wants us to believe in ourselves, believe that he can use us to his end, uh, to, to his purpose. Uh, and church, that's that that teaching, that idea is also true of us as a church, not just individuals, but as a church. Because sometimes we can look at ourselves, we can say, "Well, well, well, who are we? We're just Troy Christian Church. We're, we're in a little town in in uh, Northeast Kansas, and we're we're a small church, and we don't have many people, and we don't have much money, and and you know, our pastor's kind of shaky. His wife's really nice, but the pastor's really shaky. What?" What can we do? How can we make a, a difference? I, I spent a lot of this last week just reflecting on our recent trip to Mexico. I know last week we talked a lot about that and shared our testimonies from that trip, but I, I spent a lot of time reflect, reflecting this last week about that. And, and, I, and I've just been super impressed that God, uh, super impressed by God that, that, that He can use us when we're willing to say yes. And, and, and particularly what, what just, what just has blown me away this last, this last week that I thought about it is, is there are three families. There's three families in, uh, in the Anapare of Juarez, uh, in, in Mexico that have houses because of this church. Uh, there's Ricardo and Andrea that, uh, man, we just loved them the first time we met them and just love what they've done to their home and, 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 and see that God is just blessing them and they're so, so appreciative and so thankful. And then we got to, this last year got to build a home for, for Maribel and for Marta and, and, and know that it's going to affect their lives and change their life in such a way. And I've just been reflecting on, wow, that's, that's us. We, God said go and we did. And wow, we did something cool. And, and then I began to think about, uh, and, and some of you may think this is real small, but we, 
We spent about uh, about a thousand dollars on food while we were down there for families. We took eight families to the store and bought them food. And, and I know some might say, "Well, golly, you know, it, you got them food for a few days." But but I remember back when Reed and I were first married, when we'd go back to Illinois just about every time until we kind of got established and I got out of college and and uh, we got a little bit uh, better better off in life. But but I remember going back and just about every trip home, uh, either my dad and mom or my grandparents would send us a box. And they would, uh, dad raised some cattle and, and fed them out and butchered them. They would, they would take a box and they would cram it full of, of, of roast and steak and a bunch of packages of hamburger. And, uh, I mean, it didn't feed us very long. But boy, there were some times when, when life was lean for us and we didn't have very much money. Some have been there and be able to go to a freezer and open it up and like, wow, there's a roast there. Plus, it's a whole lot better than anything at the grocery store. There's a roast there. Steak. I mean, I, we didn't have steak. I didn't, I didn't buy a steak for years. It was just, wow, steak or ham. It, it, it didn't feed us the whole year, but man, what an encouragement. And in church, you know, we took eight families a couple weeks ago. And, and, and for a week, for two weeks, with some of the stuff, the one lady for a month, I think, that bought a lot, they didn't have to worry about, where, where am I going to get the food for my kids? And, and we don't understand this, but they actually were able to go to the refrigerator and like, wow, I've got meat in my refrigerator because that's, that's a rarity for them. Uh, but, but we can make a difference, but we have to believe that God can use us. Now I'm going to tell you one more story and I apologize. Well, I don't apologize. I'll, I'll use Mexico stories for, for, for a few months here, but, uh, we, we finished the project on Wednesday. I, I don't know what, 10 o'clock, 11 o'clock. We finished stucco and, and we were waiting on the slow guys putting the, the sheetrock. They were a little slow at now. Sheetrock's a, a long process. So, so we had, I don't know, what was there, there are 15 of us that weren't doing any work. And, and one of our brothers, one of the guys on the trip was standing there and, and, and he was standing on, on, on the bank that led away from the, the house. Cause it was from the door side of the house. It was a, a drop off. And one of our brothers that went with us stood there and was like, why don't we build a retaining wall? Looked around. We had plenty of cheap labor. We had a bunch of, High school kids that were strong and powerful and a couple old guys that knew how to look busy and not really do too much and, uh, and, uh, uh, and, and so Dave, brother Dave says, let's build a retaining wall. And we had, we had what we needed. You only need two things to build a retaining wall in Mexico. Sand, all kinds of it. And tires. Had a bunch of tires laying down in, I will rat you out, Dave. Dave wanted to know if we could steal tires off a retaining wall across the road and I said, we gotta draw a line there. But, but we ended up building this retaining wall. It took us, I don't know, a couple hours to build. And, and man, it just, just made that front of that house just, just pop. And it was so, such a blessing. But we have to believe. I think Joshua was challenged by God, first of all, believe. Uh, believe in yourself. Not privately, but believe in yourself that I can use you. And, and really, really what he's saying, because this is really gets down to the root of it. He's saying, believe in me. Uh, so if you're uncomfortable with the idea of believing in yourself, and I can understand if you are, really what what that passage is saying, be strong and courageous. You're going to lead my people. But but we know from the whole story that God was in control the whole time. And, and really what God was saying to Joshua, believe in me. Verse 5, he said, I will never leave you or forsake you. It, it, keep Joshua open there to chapter 1, but go back just a couple chapters, Deuteronomy Chapter 31. I want you to look at verse, uh, verses 7 and 8. 
Uh, Moses is, realizes he's not going to go in the promised land. He's kind of passing the mantle on to Joshua. Verse 7, he says, Then Moses summoned Joshua and said to him in the presence of all Israel, Be strong and courageous, for you must go with this people in the land that the Lord swore to their forefathers to give them, and you must divide it among them as their inheritance. The Lord himself goes before you and will be with you. He will never leave you or forsake you. Do not be afraid. Do not be discouraged. He basically said, believe in yourself, but believe that God's going with you. Believe that He is there. I will never leave you or forsake you. The, the, the second command that He, that, that He gives, we find in chapter 1, verses 7 and 8. He says, uh, He starts that off by, by saying, uh, say it here with me guys, be, let's do it a little bit better, be, thank you. And this is the command he gives him. This is encouragement. Be careful. So be strong and courageous. So believe in yourself. Believe. Be strong and courageous. Be be careful. Be careful to obey all the law my servant Moses gave you. Do not turn from it to the right or the left that you may be successful wherever you go. Do not let this book of law depart from your mouth. Meditate on it day and night so that you may be careful to do everything written in it. Then you will be prosperous and successful be be careful be careful be careful to obey see see god understood something he understands our nature that's why i I was just a little careful saying believe in yourself and and i want to wrap that around the idea that god can use you and that that really is believing god because because oftentimes we get we get pretty comfortable with ourselves. We get pretty prideful in ourselves. The the easiest thing for us to do is begin to look at ourselves and say, "Yeah, I did that, and yeah, I accomplished that, and I, I got that done." And and begin to think that you're something special. So so I believe that's why God, as soon as he he got done building Joshua up and telling him, "Hey, believe that you can make this happen. You're going to be the leader. You're going to do this. You're going to be in charge. You're going to lead the people." Right after that, he said, "Oh, but be careful. Be careful." Be careful. Always obey. The, the landscape of church history is littered with people who believed in God and believed that God could use them and saw God do great things only to forget to be careful. I, I read a book years ago. Some, most of you probably know of, 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 uh, of uh, Jim Jones, the, the psycho guy that led a group of people, I think it was the Guyana, eventually ended up, uh, they, they committed mass suicide together. But, but he started out, I believe, it was a, as a Baptist pastor in Indiana. And, and he was just a regular guy. He was just a pastor preaching Jesus, preaching grace and mercy and salvation, not through him, but through Jesus. But he became successful. And people began to pat him on the back and people began to look at him and, and his mind got converted or perverted and he ended up being the monster he was. There, there, there's story after story of megachurch pastors who, who trusted God and God used them in wonderful, exciting ways only to get excited about who they were and lose their focus and take their eyes off Jesus and begin to put it on themselves. That's why God said to Joshua, okay, you're going to lead. You're, you're going to be out front across that river into the promised land to take the land, but be careful Obey. Obey. We live in a world that that's about believe. We, we, we want to know what God can do for us, what God can 
make happen for us, how God can make my life better, how can the church meet my needs, what am I going to get out of this? But right after talking about believing, he said, you need to be careful to obey. Be careful to obey. Now, now where have I heard that before? Did, didn't Jesus one time say, if you have your Bibles and want to look it up, I'm not going to read it, but Luke chapter 9, verse 23. Didn't Jesus say to some people that were wanting to follow him, didn't he say something like, if you want to be my disciple, and who wouldn't? I mean, their hands would have, you want to be my disciple, their hands would have shot up. Why, why wouldn't I want to follow Jesus? Man, he says the word, and blind people see, and deaf people hear, and dead people come back to life, and people with skin conditions are, are healed. And why wouldn't I want to follow Jesus? Why wouldn't I want to be your disciple? But you remember what he said after that? You want to be my disciple? Then uh, deny yourself, take up my cross daily. And follow me. See, see, we're we're commanded to, we're we're commanded, uh, we're we're commanded to obey, to listen. Uh, I, I've known several coaches through the years, guys that I've been friends with that coach, and I I think they would probably admit to this when the when the season. Nick, you can tell me if I'm wrong on this or not. Dave, you can tell me as well. And, uh, uh, but but most coaches I know when they start a season out, whether it's football or basketball. The, the first week or maybe the first couple weeks of, of, uh, of practice is all about conditioning. It's all about running. You know, you go to a basketball gym and you don't even touch a basketball. All you do is run, run wind sprints and drills and all. Go run, I don't know what they did at F and You run hills. The, I know our high school, there were hills that they had, my boys had to run. It's all about conditioning. Getting yourself. And there's two reasons you do that. Number one is conditioning. You, you really are trying to get them in shape. Number two, what are you trying, what's the second thing you're trying to do? Discipline? Okay, that's a, the third thing then. You're, you're trying, maybe I'm wrong. you're trying to get the kids to quit. They don't, aren't, their heart's not there. The, the kids, and really what, don't tell them, they're trying to get the kids that aren't any good to quit, really is what they're trying to do. But, but the kids that aren't really to, to, to work hard, man, they want those, they want to weed those kids, kids out because, because it's hard. Let, let, let's get them out now. But it really comes back to conditioning. Why are we running hills? Because, because sometime there's going to be a fourth quarter and it's going to be fourth down and one and you're telling your defense, dig deep. You've got to stop the ball on the three-yard line and we win the game. And you go back to those August camp days when they were running in the heat and, and was asking, I'm a lineman, why do I have to run? Because I want you in shape. Or, or it's a fourth quarter of the basketball game and you've got to play defense one more time and hold. Why, why, why do we have to run those wind sprints? Because you need to have the strength and the condition to make it through one time. And, and so God says to him, God says to him, be, be careful. Obey. See, obedience is not about restriction. It's about protection. It's about protecting you from all the stuff that could go wrong. It's about protecting you from yourself. Be, be obedient to the law that Moses gave you. Be obedient to God's instruction in your life so that you don't fall Away. And he throws a, another idea, another thought out there. He says, to observe, he says, don't, don't turn from the right or the left. Keep your eyes on God's law. Don't turn from the right or the left. Uh, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna show you my wisdom here. I figured this out this week. That men and women are different. You can quote me on that. And, and I, let me tell you how I know that. Last Sunday, I think it was. Was it Sunday or Saturday? We went to Sam's and we bought a cot. 
when your air mattress deflates in Mexico at about uh, 11:30, but you're 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 smart and you bring a second air mattress. I always do that just in case someone else needs it. This year it was me. And you, you so the next night you wear up your second air mattress and it, it deflates at 12. Um, we decided no more air mattresses. We're going to get caught. So we went to Sam's Club last Sunday afternoon, Saturday sometime, and bought a bought one cot. We're going to try it. So so actually we went home. We both fell asleep on the cot last Sunday afternoon. I don't know if they're comfortable or if we were just so not the same time. Yeah, <laughs> they weren't that big a cot. Um, Where was I? Um, and and uh, so I don't know if they're comfortable or if we were just so stinking tired that we would have slept on uh, concrete. But uh, but anyway, so so we decided it's going to work. So Rita says, hey, we need to get another cot. And the, the cot I bought was red, right? I, we bought a red cot, just the one we grabbed. They're red and blue. And and my wife says to me, says, if you're Sam's, get, get that other cot, but get the blue one. I want the blue one. Okay. You want to only guess why? Because it matches her blanket. And I knew then that guys and girls are different. <laughs> I'm like, it matches her blanket that she's going to take to Mexico next year. Okay. Anyway, we're, we're we shop differently. Uh, when when we shop now, I know some not all guys are like this, but most guys join join with me and, and give me an amen. When we shop, we go to Walmart, we go to the mall, we go to Coles, whatever. We go and get what we need, don't we? Are you there? are with me, Dave? You know what you want. You'll go right back. We we are an illustration of what you're supposed to do. Now that's not very often we get to be the good illustration in in the text. But but he says, be careful not to turn from it to the right or the left. That's us when we shop. We walk in a store. We're going to go get a cot. We go get the cot. I went back and got it Monday or Tuesday. I walked into Sam's. I got the cot. I went and checked out. I'm gone. I didn't check out clothes. I didn't look at. Had any extra food items? I didn't do anything. Else. I went in and got it. That's how we shop. My wife does not shop that way. She looks to the left and the right. Lee, do you do that? Yeah, I, I thought you did. Because there, there may be something that she didn't know she needed that she really doesn't need that she might see and decide she wants, or try on and then decide she doesn't. It doesn't fit, and doesn't, you, you understand where I'm going. So. So be careful to observe what God wants you to do. Don't, don't, don't look left or right. Don't be distracted. Uh, it's, it's exciting. It's life changing. Sometimes life is terrifying. But, but keep your eyes. Keep your eyes. And, and finally, let's, let's close here with this last thought. Um, he, he says in the last couple verses, um, verse, starting with verse nine. Have I not commanded you, be strong and courageous. Do not be terrified. Do not be discouraged, for the Lord your God will be with you wherever you go. So so we are to be brave. We are to be brave. Church, we're called to be strong. We're called to be courageous. We're called to be brave. Because what God said to Joshua, how he wrapped this all up, was he said, Joshua, I am there. Wherever you go, I'm going to be there. Even though you go into a land you've never been before, he talks about that in chapter 3 of Joshua, don't worry about it because I've been there. I know where you're going. And, and when God calls us to build a wall or cross a river or, 
or lead an army to take a land, when God calls you to do something that He's called you to, be brave because He He is there. My uh, my cousin Benny lives uh, lived grew up just across the alley alley from me. Uh, Debbie, when I when I met your brother um, Jeff, I, I told him the other night at visitation said. Told Rita, said, he looks just like Cousin Benny. Uh, he looked like my first cousin Benny. But Benny lived uh, across the alley from us. And and, and occasionally we, I would find myself there after dark. Usually it's because we had played wiffle ball uh, long into the evening and it finally got dark. Sometimes maybe I just went over and was talking to him. But, but I'd find myself coming back from Benny's house to my house after dark. And now this was, this was when I was just a little kid. I, I wasn't in high school or anything, but, um, uh, but I'd be coming back across the alley, and 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 you probably have had this happen to you before. You you're walking along. I mean, you're in your own neighborhood. You know that you you know the the way you can close your eyes and get there. Walking along, and then somewhere in the back of the mind, something pops up like maybe there's someone there lurking behind the trash barrels. There was this old barn. Maybe there's someone hiding in that barn, and they're gonna they're gonna jump out and get me. Or maybe there's someone hiding behind the old coal shed that we had at the back of our property. And, and, and the boogeyman's going to get me. And so as I, as I walked, I, I would try to walk confidently. Then after a while, I'd just simply give up and I'd take off running. And, and I could see the back steps. And, and, and as soon as I got to the back steps, I would slow down again and walk confidently in the house. That, that always worked. Man, I got there. Then one day when I was doing that, I, I got closer and I started to slow down. And, Suddenly it hit me. You know, if there's someone out there, they could come in the house after me. That doesn't mean they stop there. But you know what I thought immediately? You know what took away all that, all that fear, all that terror? Was who was inside. My dad was inside. And I knew, boy, just get in the door. And dad was there. And isn't that what, isn't that what God is ultimately saying here to Joshua at the end? Be brave. Be brave. I, I'm going to be there. And so church, when you face those moments, when, when God puts us in those places that are exciting, that are life-changing, but maybe are terrifying at the same time, uh, know that He is there. Would you bow with me in prayer? Father, we thank You that, that we don't have to go through life alone, that we have the promise that You are there that you are going to keep us uh, and take us. God, you challenge us uh, to trust you, uh, to put our, our faith in you, to, to believe, to believe that you can use us. And then you warn us to be careful that we don't get ahead of you, that we don't run out on our own skis and believe that, that it's all about us, but that we trust you. And Father, uh, we, we know that you called us to be brave. And that we can have that because you are there. God, guide us through those moments. Man, when we face those exciting, life-changing moments that give us fear at the same time, remind us that you're there. In Jesus' name.